morning, everyone. I'm very happy to share this day on this campus with the faculty and the students and the administration of Thomas Aquinas College, and I want to uh, extend to you the uh, joy and the, and the grace of this day, St. Thomas Day. And I'm also grateful to Archbishop Gomez, who I saw some weeks ago, uh, and kind of let him know that I would be here, and he sends his greetings, and, and he's someone that I have been, uh, I've known for many years, and so it's great to be in California. I'm from Texas, and Texas is a long way from California in more ways than just one, no? Muy bien. Let me just pull up my... We live in a culture uh, that in many ways could be described, but one of the ways it can be described is that it, uh, uh, there's a plethora of words. Words come at us all the time, and in such a barrage that we grow into a habit without fully realizing it of just watching them flow in front of our eyes, either on a screen, if we're reading them, so much of what we read is on a, on a screen, of course, either be it a, an internet screen or a, or a television screen or whatever else, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and all the new inventions, or in a book even. But sometimes the words, they come at us so much uh, audibly, that is to say people are talking at us. I think that's one of the, one of the realities, especially that our our younger generation is very aware of. They're being constantly talked at. And, and so it's almost like, ah! And th there's a tendency, uh, almost a spontaneous reaction that maybe many, many people can't even put a word on. <laughs> put a word on. That there's just too many words. And like so many other things in human life, when there's too much of it, it loses its value. When it comes at us constantly, we are, we are the most worded generation in the history of the world. Over and over. I mentioned this. Because one of the things that we learn over time is that not all words are the same. Some words, like when you're reading something, you just kind of skim through it and underline the important parts. I get a lot of documents and reports, and I kind of learn how to do that. And some words you need to just kind of stare at for a while and let them show themselves to you. I was recalling last night at dinner that my thesis director, who was, may he rest in peace, a very fine Dominican at the Angelicum, Father Dalmazio Mongillo, Campasiscanse, may he rest in peace. He, um, he used to get very frustrated with me when I was writing my thesis because uh, it was getting longer and longer. I'm sure none of you have this experience. He said, Ah, Father, 
You must learn from St. Thomas. He never repeats himself. He says it once, and then he moves on. So if you could please just not repeat yourself so many times. I, I took that to heart. I tell people, the thesis would have been 200 pages shorter had I had an extra year to write it. I put this in the sense that as the gospel tells us, there is only one master. All the rest of you are learners. This is the gospel that is used for any doctor of the church. It's used many other occasions. And today, being the Feast of St. Thomas, appreciating, as I do, kind of the austerity of his expression. Where did he learn that? Because he was always a learner. You see, no one can be a teacher even in a participated sense. Which Thomas always defended. The participated sense. Without always being a learner. So where did Thomas the learner learn something of the mystery of brevity? Because actually there's a great mystery here. <laughs> The fathers of the church, St. Cyprian, St. Augustine, who wasn't known for his brevity. Taking a cue from the prophets, named Jesus the verbum abbreviatum, the brief word of the Father. And in some ways, as we keep in mind that what makes Thomas such an exemplary teacher is that his eyes are always focused on Christ... Always. That in that contemplation, the sense of the beauty of the brevity of the word. Jesus in the gospel says what he means. He means what he says. And sometimes we like to gloss it. And have you ever noticed how much, how wordy our glosses are? as to what he really meant, which is part of the work of the church, don't get me wrong, but, but we need to kind of go back. Jesus, Jesus speaks what he says and what he means. And in his own person, he's the verbum abbreviatum. That is to say, he is the, the one expression of everything in the heart of the Father. In one word, made flesh. Punto se acabo. I think this is particularly valuable for us today in a world and in a culture, especially when our next generations feel like they're inundated with people talking at them. We have to let the brevity and the beauty of the simple word that is Jesus and that Jesus speaks in some way speak for itself. As I say, we all live in the midst of so many, so much wordiness. The word word, by the way, is like the word love. The more we talk about it, the less we really get what it's about. 
And with this barrage of words, let us, I would suggest today, at our leisure, I heard the students have no classes today. Do you know, I think we learn things best when we have a little leisure time. That's what a feast day is about. Thank you, Joseph Pieper. That's what a feast day is about. A little leisure time just to think about a few words and not all the words, just a few. Pick, because not all words are the same. And that's the essence of meditation. That can lead to contemplation, and that can lead to a kind of interior communion with the brief word himself. Because that's what we want. We want... St. Bernard used to say that, no? Enough with the words of the prophets. I want the word. And I want to touch him. So I want to share with you just as a kind of a something to offer you for your leisure. Two brief words St. Thomas says about the word. One of them appears in the Summa and it's got a lot of words there. He never repeats himself, but there's a lot of words there. But something I ran across years ago, and I must say, I go back to it constantly. It's a simple source of meditation because I think in this one simple phrase, you almost have the entire edifice of the Summa in one line. This is Tercio Pars. Question 46. Article 3. The question is on the suitability of the incarnation. Why? The suitability of the cross, really. Why? Did God manifest himself in his son through the crucified son? Oh, whenever you look at the Tertia Pars, there's a deep, this is not just simply an academic exercise. This is everything. Why? You see, all theological inquiry begins with the simple, humble question of the learner before the mystery of Christ displayed. Why? And in one line, St. Thomas, who was always the learner, said, in the first place, because man knows thereby how much God loves him and is thereby stirred to love him in return. And herein lies the perfection of human salvation, period. God does something. He shows you something. The act of Christ reaching its high point on the cross. The Paschal mystery. And what are we supposed to get from that? How much God loves you. For he can give you no more. What's supposed to happen from that? It's supposed to stir us. Because the Catholic theology of grace is about the response in grace to the gift. That's the whole theology, the meritorious act, the grace, everything. It's the response to the grace given. And it's all about being stirred, about seeing the display and letting it move you. Crucified humanity in the Son made flesh. And if you can see crucified Christ on the cross to stir you 
to a response. The question for us is, where are you, Lord, that I might respond to you? We are not sola fides, folks. Charity saves. And what is charity? It's the response to Christ. Where are you, Lord, that I might respond to you? That is the most important question on the face of the earth. To one has been touched by the display. The display we're about to see made present to us on this altar. Where are you, Lord? Because our salvation depends upon our ability to be stirred and respond to him. And as I tell my people back home, Two places hath Jesus said where he is. This is my body. Respond to him. And whatever you do to the least of mine, you do to me. Respond to him. And therein lies the entire doctrinal social teaching of the church in one line. Because it's all a response to Christ. If it's not a response to Christ, if the church is not responding to Christ, then we all might as well pack up and go home. And herein lies the perfection of human salvation, which was always the Dominican point, no? Charity informs all the virtues and saves. It is a grace to be able to respond to him. And the reason we can respond to him is because he has come to us first. Why, Lord? Man knows thereby how much God has loved us. And we are thereby stirred to love him in return. And herein lies the perfection of our salvation. It's not complicated, folks. It's just not easy. The gospel, the verba abbreviatum, is not complicated. And it requires a grace to respond to it. And that's why, like St. Thomas, we should kneel before the crucifix and say, Lord, let me see you, that I might respond to you. For this is why you came. And in my life, at your leisure, think of this. And in my life, let not your coming have been in vain. But let it be the hope and salvation of just not my life, but the whole world. <laughs>